0: Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time, well, (laughs) (laughs) it. You know what?
1: I do still feel like I'm a first-time filmmaker, honestly, so I think you could say it. I'm still going through first-time filmmaker blues, so keep going.
0: Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a documentary filmmaker's journey. That doesn't sound right still, but... I want you to know I'm your host Josh Lindsay from the movie proposal podcast and with us is our documentary filmmaker Christian Taylor. Hello, Josh Lindsay. Hello, Christian Taylor in orange. It looks like you're all in orange. Lots of orange in this room. (laughs) Yeah, it's not just the background. Okay, and with us, as always, couldn't do it without him, the trusty dusty research extraordinaire button pushing guy Jason Rugg. Hey there.
1: Oh, hey, Jason. I just love it when you get your whole title in there. That's super
0: fun. That's not even the whole title. Like, I mean, Simon Roll animator, like, yeah, you guys, on, you if know? you're not following Jason <laughs> Rugg on Twitter, you should
1: because he is funny. And he also has a great Instagram page. Uh, you should be following him on Instagram as well with all of his new little animations. Speaking of which, Jason, tell us what's going on in your life.
2: Uh, yeah, so um, we've actually backed off doing daily animations for a little while. Um, we kind of needed to kind of refill the hopper of of things we've written. And um, also, we just have decided to kind of reorient towards um, potentially seeing if we could reformat the stuff we've made for Instagram into like an animated TV show type thing. Um, and so we're gonna, we're, we're in the process of figuring that out now. And um yeah we're we're seeing where that'll lead us um i don't really have any much much more news beyond that um but right now we release one sketch every saturday um we're looking to ramp back up into that and i'll have a link to the instagram in the description so you can just find it that way
1: yeah and tell um uh, people how they can find you on twitter
2: uh yeah so my twitter if you just look up jason Rugg, i'm like the first one that comes up unfortunately some guy named jason Rugg took at jason Rugg. Uh, very early on, when like when Twitter was created, and then never used it. <laughs> and uh-huh. so it like bots are on it, tweeting random things about life insurance or you know various things. And uh, that's me. It's not a robot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but but haven't have legitimately? I don't think even the bots have used it since like 2013 or something. Can crazy.
0: you can you offer to like buy that like a URL or something?
2: So I've tried reaching out to them and they don't reply. So I don't know if they just don't even.
0: The bots yeah. aren't interested in your so-called money.
2: <laughs> well, so Instagram and Twitter was going to do this thing for a while where they were going to take old dead handles. And if they'd been inactive for like five years, make them public again. And a bunch of people were like, no, my, my friend, you know, he actually died. And his Twitter feed is one of the last things that we still have of him. And so, and so mm. they were like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to have to figure out something else. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> this clearly isn't a, a real person. <laughs> it's clearly just. <laughs> oh, that's weird. a drag. Yeah. Well, I think
1: it's at Dragic. Jace Ruggie, right?
2: Yeah, but if you just look up Jason Rugg with two G's, uh, I pop up too. Because the other okay. one's just so inactive, they don't even like recommend it to anyone.
1: <laughs> okay, and then your Instagram is and C H A W N,
2: Which that's Jackson. part of what we're working on. We're going to rename it <laughs> because <laughs> it's uh, it's so hard to pronounce and actually search. Because it sounds like Jackson and then uh. Chon isn't a word. So you think it's Jackson Chon and it's it's Jax and chan but that's so hard to so we're, we're figuring it's out kind of
1: like docu deja vu, docu vu no 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 no. you couldn't it's even do it docu <laughs> view deja vu yep. what a stupid you, title you, you proved we...
0: your own point thank you
1: <laughs> oh goodness all right josh lindsay what's happening in your life
0: uh well in terms of stuff related to this we just had Caitlin Schess from the Holy Post podcast on to discuss Turning Red, the latest Pixar animated film. And that was a lot of fun. And then our next one coming out is actually the Mark Wahlberg Father Stew passion project of his, which is in theaters right now. So, but it is, you know, springtime getting close to summer in a week, we're having another Marvel film come out. So there are more blockbuster type stuff coming up. And that's when we get most of our listeners are for the the fun blockbuster-y kind of type stuff. So we're entering into that season. So I'm looking forward to that.
2: Awesome. Awesome. As as a preview for people, we don't normally talk about our something blues from the movie Proposal early. Like we usually surprise each other. So Josh, you'll have to not tell Sky this. I'll I'll act surprised. (laughs) (laughs) My next uh, something blue is going to be a blue mind and it's everything everywhere all at once. I went and saw
1: it. It Oh, you liked it, huh?
2: insane (laughs) yeah i can't wait to see that also you gotta see it's like there there's moments in that movie where it cuts to like a rock on a cliff for like several minutes and it's hilarious (laughs) it's a rock on a cliff and wind blowing and you're just going yes this is amazing (laughs) it's like i can't even begin to describe how this movie makes sense but it makes sense totally as you watch it it's uh it's really complicated but really fun
1: what a funny title too
2: <laughs> it looks great it's it's incredible you, you gotta go see it
0: all right okay okay well christian um we have a lot to get caught up on uh do you want to start with distribution you, you need to we yes we up our this series. is
1: the week this so. is the week we wrapped up our limited series this week This is the week we out these terrible distributors, which you should never work with. Uh, And the name is, what were the initials, boys? FFS. That's it. The name is Factory Film Studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Mm. So do not, whatever you do, work with them. So there you have it. Uh, you have heard about my experience with them, uh, over the last three episodes. You've, um, also, uh, heard, I think in general, some distribution things I learned.
0: Um, so now we're turning a new chapter. Um, I I do have a question. Yeah. Uh, Are you doing anything in terms of review, like, you know, posting a negative review or letting, I mean, I mean, obviously you have a podcast and you're letting people know this, but, um, are you doing anything proactively to let people know you had a bad experience?
1: Interesting question, and I have an interesting answer. I went to the Dubuque Film Festival in Dubuque, Iowa this week, just got back on Sunday, and there I met a couple of Canadians, ironically enough. One of them was a filmmaker slash writer, and he did encourage me to write a Better Business Review uh, because they have a Better Business Bureau in Canada. And I had, somebody else had mentioned that to me. And I was like, oh, that's stupid. Nobody's going to look that up. And he's like, that's the very least you can do. Go and do that. So yes, I'm going to do that. And I am going to, once this is released, I am going to say something on Twitter and my social media platforms. But at the end of the day, you know, I really don't, I think it's a drop in the bucket. I think me going to film festivals or, you know, just talking about it in general is going to do more good than you know any of those things
0: i i think that's true however uh if i was a filmmaker and crossed paths with you or followed you or something and i never knew that you had a bad experience and then i ended up coincidentally using the same company and but it could have been prevented because you put a bad review on there because i was looking for reviews and no one bothered to put a bad review i i would be frustrated you know i i think i think i would want to to see that, you know. So.
1: Well, that's good advice and I do think uh one takeaway from this is you ought to look up on the Better Business Bureau or in any way you can any report about any distributor. So,
0: um good question, Josh. Yeah, and and, and obviously it's kind of like a restaurant, you know, like I I'm really mad at Panera right now. <laughs> it just, <laughs> just keeps screwing up my order and it's just so frustrating just to uh, like but that how complicated a bad is mean they What's that?
2: How complicated is your order?
0: <laughs> you, we don't have time to explain <laughs> so that you go. Oh, I see what they did. Yeah, and then you're then it's not even that interesting. Just trust me when I tell you. Like,
1: you're making me hungry for Panera. I guess that's what I'm doing for lunch. See, yeah, I'm sure I'll go back. But
0: it's just, <laughs> so just because of the, there's a bad review doesn't mean they're a horrible company. But I do think there needs to be a conversation out there. You know, there's people will make up their own minds, you know, and if there's good reviews for this company, then they should post that too. But um, anyhow, moving yeah. on. So,
1: so uh, the other news is, you know, they still haven't responded to our termination letter agreement. They haven't sent us any money. Um, I have been after my lawyer to write a follow-up email, basically saying we are considering taking our, you know, audit. You might well just better go ahead and pay us because you'll have to pay that fee too. I don't anticipate that to get a reply either, but at least it's something we can do. So okay. um, hopefully that will happen in other news. hmm. And distribution, and then I want to talk about this past weekend and a couple of other things, but I just got off the phone with Joe Amaday of Virgil Films, mm. and I am happy to announce uh, that we have struck a verbal agreement at this moment for him to distribute the film, um, and he's going to be sending me his contract to review, which I will. Um, I have actually checked him out with a whole bunch of different people. Everybody I've checked out has had positive things to say about Virgil Films. And these now are filmmakers that I've met in person. Um, I have um, you know, talked with them. They've been happy with their distribution process. So that's exciting. I have been working with them for almost a year now. So now I have my own personal experience with them. Um, One of the things I love about them the most is how transparent they are and responsive they are, honest and upfront. Um, he tells me bad news, even when I don't want to hear it. The bad news this week was um, that he cannot take my film to the Cannes Film Market, because the copyright was in 2021. And the Cannes Film Market uh, doesn't want to see a film if it was done before December 2021. So that's sad and disappointing. Uh, But however, he is um, agreeing to be a sales agent for us internationally. So he will go to a bunch of different sales markets. He will go to Cannes with a um, a sales packet for the Girl Who Wore Freedom. He's not able to screen it there, but he is able to try and sell it there to other distributors. Uh, But really in that capacity, he's acting as a sales agent, sales agent, and then will connect me with other distributors. He's promised me that he knows these um, international distributors personally and that they don't do crazy stuff and they do do what they say. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, what we did learn is they won't start the process of intaking the film and putting it up until after they get back from Cannes, which will be in June. And it does take several months. So it probably won't be able to be viewable on different pa- platforms until uh, at least August. So uh, so it's going to be another process. And um, But I'm looking forward to it now. I feel like I have uh, a lot more experience. I'm doing uh, this with a a trusted partner. Uh, So I'm happy about that. In the meantime, I have more exciting news. In the meantime, thanks to my crack team. And I may have said this last week, I don't remember, but we are now on our website selling DVDs and streaming streaming services. So we put up the English version last week. Today, we are launching the French version And we will launch the dual language version shortly after that. So that means, um, you know, our film, you know, you can go to our website, click on the stream now button, and you can choose. Do you want to watch the French version, the dual language version, or the English version? So I'm super excited about that. We've already had DVDs that have sold and streaming links that have sold. Um, And I should be getting a deposit of some funds for about four, four streaming, you know, things that have been sold uh, this weekend. So that's that's, that's a start, and that's exciting. Um, so so yeah, I'm feeling a little bit encouraged about this distribution situation.
0: Oh, good, Yes, you should. So, what what's your time frame in terms of reviewing and the back and forth before signing? Do you think? Good question. Um, what what he's gonna do is send me their their
1: traditional contract. And then I can strike through or revise anything on there. So, again, we've talked about I'm keeping the theatrical rights, I'm keeping the DVD rights now, um, and I will make a decision about whether or not to keep the educational rights. Um, And, you know, it's just going to be a matter of going through that now. And looking you know figuring out how to carve out whatever is in my best interest now I think what's not going to be negotiable is their fee is you know 30% so that's a little bit higher than FFS FFS was 25%. Um, What we didn't talk about is how long the distribution agreement will be in place for I would prefer to do a shorter one than a longer one we'll see what they say. um. And there will be, of course, distribution fees, which I think are going to be higher than Virgil Films. Virgil's was about fifteen hundred, but they only placed it in four places. So you mean
0: that you don't mean Virgil? You mean FFS? FFS,
1: yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. I mean FFS. See, I'm already Xing them out of my vocabulary, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because you know, basically, the way Joe explained it is that the distribution fees that come are because uh, he's going to take it to a place. And the place, I think it's called Global Interactive. They take the film, they prepare it for going up on Amazon and iTunes, and stuff like that. And of course, that costs a fee and they charge Joe and Virgil Films that fee. Um, so it, the more platforms you put it up on, So, you know, then there's the ingesting into the platform and setting all that up, the more the distribution fees are going to be. And what I love about Joe is he does explain to you exactly what the process is and why those things cost money. And, you know, he will send a report saying how much those things cost. So um, I think, you know, even just the list that he gave me about where they will put the film, you know, will be like on... Amazon, it'll be on iTunes, it'll be on Tubi and Pluto, it'll be on some documentary streaming sites. So there's a much longer list of places where they're going to be able to um, put up the film than before. So I think the distribution expenses will probably be a little bit higher.
0: I have a question, Uh, Jason, maybe you know something about this as well. Let's say you have a business and you're, you're marketing it on social media, like Facebook or something. Where you have the opportunity to pay to get it out to more people a more strategic audience with a streaming service so let's say you get an amazon are there things you can do to bump your film to the top so more people see it
1: yeah i mean you pay for advertising it's just like you would do on facebook instagram twitter linkedin you know if you want people to see your stuff you have to pay extra to boost it or to promote it right So you can buy banner ads or you can buy even even on uh, Air France and Delta. If you want to be in their spotlight, it's not because Delta thinks these movies are so great. Let's spotlight these. No, it's because people have paid more money in order to have their films spotlit. So, you know, you know, that's just the way it goes. People that are willing to pay for marketing and advertising are going to get your eyeballs as opposed to those who don't have it or don't want to spend it.
0: Okay, and is there any plan to do that with this film.
1: Um, I think that's something that Joe and I are going to need to talk about, Um, you know how that marketing is going to be done. I do think that if they do do marketing, uh, there was a, a phrase in our contract with FFS. Where we agree to only pay third-party marketing costs, I think that's what it was, um, or else we wouldn't pay for third market third-party marketing costs. I don't know, um, but there are there are marketing and advertising fees that we would have to pay for sure. So I don't know. I'll have to look at the contract and see. But if they don't do the marketing, nobody's going to find your film. So you at least and then there are a lot of distribution companies. So I talked about Gravitas before in a previous episode where they're like, Yeah, we'll take your film for 15 years and you got to do all the marketing. Right. So <laughs> you're like, well, that's a great deal. Woohoo. Right, right, right. Um, so you know, you I just think I am already doing marketing that is going to happen nas- you know, um, for me because I do want to do these screenings because I think um, it's people are asking for them. It's important to do them, and I like doing them. And then when I'm there, it does market the film for people to buy DVDs or the streaming link. So, uh, But I'm going to want them to do some marketing as well if they're going to put it on Amazon or iTunes for people to find it. So we'll see.
0: All right. To be determined. All right. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. So we talk about uh, Virgil Films. We've updated you on FSS, FFS. What you Cannes Film Market? Okay, you just got back from a film festival, yes?
1: Yes, I did. I just got back from the Dubuque International Film Fest. I recorded from there last week during our podcast, so I probably talked about it a little bit, but I I still just cannot rave about it enough. It was just a phenomenal experience um, because of the the quality of films that were there, uh, one of which I will talk about in our DocuView Deja Vu segment. Um, And, then the people that I met, so I just met some heavy hitters in terms of people that are showrunners in LA, people that are uh, ex- executive producers and producers in LA of sh- many shows that you would know. the a large amount of people were from LA. Ironically, there were only two of us from the Chicago market. We're only three hours from Dubuque. So I don't understand that at all. But we had people from Austria, we had people from Cambodia, like it really is an international film festival. And so you meet all these people, you can swap stories about distribution. One of the things I loved this time is the filmmakers would go around in the filmmaker lounge and say, come see my film, come see my film. And the filmmakers would go and support them. I got a Christian, come on, I'm going to going to see my buddy's film, um, And so I just, I love that camaraderie. You feel like you have met your people. And uh, so so that was just great. There were parties every night. And quite frankly, you guys, I have never done this since college. You know, I didn't drink. I didn't go to a big party school. I wasn't that kind of person. And so I never really did this. But like the first night, everybody went out. I didn't go at all. The second night, I was out till 2.30. And, you know, there was an event and then afterwards I went to another bar and I was like, finally at two 30, I'm like, I'm out. I've got to go home. So I went home and went to bed <laughs> the second to the last night when we had the big awards ceremony and we now everybody gotten to know each other. Well, there was a huge after party, um, after it was over. And I mean, I stayed to, with a group of people till we shut it down. You know, they had a bar and we were dancing and you're just, you know, building that, camaraderie. And then there was a person in our group, I mentioned this film last week called Robert's Village. And the director of that is Brian Buss. And, you know, I think it was his first film festival. He was just so excited. He did win best documentary, just like I thought he would. Uh, And he had to leave at 5am. And he knew that it was going to be a late night. So he packed his bag and put it by his door. And he was like, this is going to be a night. And so at the end of the big party that everybody was a part of and you know didn't have to pay for, when it ended, Brian had five hours before his limousine, or not his limousine, but his shuttle, showed up to take him to the airport. And so for some reason, we decided we were going to make a film called Five Hours with Brian. And so we'd started filming this like on three different phones, our iPhones, right? Brian has one, another guy named Brandon has one and I have one. We're filming this five hours with Brian because we all hung out in this big group. Another filmmaker named Bruna, who's from Brazil, who lives in LA now, made a great film. She was there with us. And so we are gonna go on this adventure, five hours with Brian. So now it's midnight and we start to leave and Brian goes to get his trophy and he can't find it anywhere. And so he's looking everywhere for his trophy. We have we don't even get out of there till 1230 cuz we're looking for the trophy. Where is his very first trophy that he's won? So then we decide to call it 5 hours with Brian and the mystery of the missing trophy. So this was going to be our hunt for the evening. And so of course the next place we had to look for it was Oddfellows bar naturally. And so we go there and of course you know everybody is having a wonderful time. I'm meeting, you know, tons of people. And then the next thing I know it's two 30 and that bar is closing and we still have three hours to go or two and a half hours to go before Brian has to leave. So the band apparently rented an Airbnb. And the next thing I know, we're all at the band's house. Finally at like three o'clock on the video, I'm like, I have reached my limit. I cannot do this till 5.00 AM. I am 55 years old. I cannot stay. But for whatever reason, the next thing I know at 4.30, I'm still there. And we are walking Brian back to the hotel where we think, well, maybe Robert, who was wise enough to go to bed, you know, at midnight, Robert maybe has the trophy. So we go to Robert and Brian's room. And sweet Robert, this is the guy from Uganda who the film was about, had left the door cracked open for Brian and Casey lost his key or got so, you know, out of his mind that he didn't know how to get back in. He left the door open for him. And so we, we go into the room at like four 30 and there he is getting dressed and Robert, um, he, his arm is deformed. So he does have trouble getting dressed and doing things for himself. And so he's standing there trying to put on his shirt and we walk in and we see the trophy sitting right on Brian's bed, right at the corner standing up so that Brian would see it when he get in just so sweet and Brian walked in to see him and he started buttoning his shirt you know and you could just see the special relationship that the two of them had made over the course of filming this film together and so it was this sweet you know ending to our movie um and then i needed to take Brian back to his hotel i did it's like 4:45 i get back to my hotel where Brian and Robert are staying and they're in the lobby so of course I keep filming and we're filming till he leaves at 5am. And I get to my room and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just stayed up till 5am. What is happening to me? Um, But we, I don't even want to go back and look at the footage, but we made, and I was totally sober the entire time. You know, it wasn't like there was anything untoward happening. Um, But we just had such a great time and it was, you know, we made such I don't know, great memories and contacts. And yes, I have a whole Rolodex of contacts um, in LA that I will follow up on. And I talked to a woman about distributing our film on DVD in retail stores. And so that was very exciting uh, because I may only make you know five to eight dollars a DVD, but that's more than I would be making if I didn't sell it. Uh, and I don't have to do huge, large quantities. I can send them a hundred or 200 at a time. Uh, so that was exciting. Um, yeah. So all in all, it was a great film festival. I was super happy. I did it. Um, and I came away feeling very encouraged and hopefully without COVID we'll see. I've only been home (laughs) since Sunday. (laughs) I have heard reports that maybe there were some people with COVID. I'm just hoping they have, you know, hangovers and (laughs) it's not really COVID.
0: Well, I read, of pand- course. Yeah. Well, I just read the pandemic's over, so you don't yes. to worry about well, it. Right? That,
1: well, that's good, because I'm supposed to be on a plane to France on Wednesday. Today yeah. is Wednesday, but so in seven days, and I certainly hope I do not have COVID.
0: You know, those late night stuff, I know those are important, you know, whether it's, in you know, and not just late night, but just like, you know, the hanging out, camaraderie, you know, whatever it is, and and, uh, and I love people, but, you know, up to a point. And so <laughs> staying up till five in the morning, like to me, uh, like, I mean, even in college, I I remember I was, a, I was an RA and they'd have these retreats and it would be at midnight. And I'm like, I guys, I gotta go to bed. And they, and they, they were, they were, they are going to the wee hours. And, and I knew I was, they were just going to have stronger friendships and relationships than I, but I couldn't, like, it just seemed, well, I'm not going to be with you mentally anyway, if I wake, stay up till three in the morning. So it's gonna make me sick and uh I'm out. So th- these types of things, I don't know how you
1: Well, I, I didn't I really did not have confidence that I could do it. And I was very worried the next day. Thankfully, I didn't really have anything to do. I did want to watch a film. Um but when I knew I was at a 5 a.m., I'm like, okay, how many hours of sleep do I really need? And fortunately, I was driving back. I didn't have to catch a plane. So, I mean, I did get five hours of sleep. Um, if I, I just couldn't have done it if I had to be up early or if I had to. But there were people there who did not sleep, who didn't sleep and then went on and got on a plane and went home. I'm like, I, I cannot do that. Don't but understand I, it. I don't either. But you have to be. Um, you have to be a certain kind of personality. I think, you know, I'm an extrovert and the weird thing was it didn't feel like 5.00 AM. Like you just feel, it feels probably 10, 11, 12 at night. And so it's sort of the way I felt like when I was in France, in France, it doesn't get dark till like 11, 1130. And so you're just doing stuff and you have no idea that it's almost midnight. And that's kind of the, the way it felt for me. So, uh, but I saw some great films and, uh, you know, had some great times and walked away with a potential DVD distribution deal. So worked out well for me. Oh, that's great. All right. And next week, you have, uh, what is the Reims Film Festival? Yes, good memory. Uh, I am going to France, France, uh, otherwise known as Reims in America. And I am going to arrive on the 5th and I'll be there till the 9th. I'm going to be meeting with Michelle Coupe, a co-producer, Flo Boucherie, a co-producer, Danny, The Girl Who War Freedom, Denis Vandenbrink, one of our uh, historians in the film, and then a Delta executive, Paul Hassan Straub, I think his name is, uh, whose grandfather, I think, was liberated in 1944, so he'll be there, and Helen Patton. So it's going to be kind of a mini reunion of the film. I've never been to Reims, and so I'm looking forward to that and we're we're up for three awards, best documentary, best editing, and best score. So uh that will be phenomenal. And did you say
0: who's going with you?
1: I'm flying by myself, but yes, I did list all those people just now,
0: yeah, sorry, I misunderstood what you were saying. Um, okay, but they'll they'll be there with you,
1: yeah, they'll all be there. Oh, okay. yeah they'll, they'll all be they'll there
0: make it more fun. all right very cool all right will you be uh, broadcasting from there or
1: i will be putting up pictures on social media and you know i will probably maybe do a few lives and stuff like that but um yeah that's about it and i i will i will probably take some books and maybe some dvds we'll see um but but yeah i'm looking forward to it i will get back on the ninth however and I leave on the 12th to go to DC. It has just been confirmed that our film is going to be shown at the um, Air and Space Museum at udvar uh Theater. And I- I'm excited about that. It's like a 470 th- seat theater. I don't know how we're gonna get all those people there, but hopefully we will. And that will happen on the night of the 12th. And then I'll go straight from there to New York and I'll be at this big event in New York City And then we'll come home, and it sounds like we've locked in a deal at the National Infantry Museum at Fort Benning uh, to do a screening uh, somewhere around the 26th of May before we jet off to France. So,
0: All right. Very exciting.
2: It is. That's a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be alive uh, June 25th when I
0: get home. We'll see. All right. Well, hey, I think we covered everything. Um, to get caught up today, is there something else we we're missing? The only thing I want to
1: say is I want to give a shout out to Chad Gilchrist and in particular Taylor Banowski, who's joined our team, been here for a week. I have basically turned over all the producer duties for the Carenton project that's coming up, and she has been knocking it out of the park. Um, it's really the first time that I've had a well-trained, you know, U.S. producer who's got lots of experience. And she's just phenomenal to work with. So I'm so thankful about that. It's all coming together for our screening uh or for our filming uh for this Caranton project. Uh and yeah, super happy. So there's that. Rock
0: and roll. Okay. Uh, well, I want to shift gears uh to our I keep calling it new segment. DocuView DejaView. Oh. Deja nice job. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Wait, wait, um, we didn't give a proper pause. Say it I, one more time. I, I did. I paused. You guessed. I, I know. It was, it, it was my, it was my trouble. <laughs> you can just edit it out. Um, So I'll go first. uh, I'll go first. I don't know what you call this, Jason, maybe you can name this, but there's a podcast that features filmmakers and tells their stories, but they do it through a kind of a dramatic retelling, but it's, it's a podcast. So it's called Blockbuster and they've, I think they started with Spielberg and Lucas telling their stories together, where they have actors who portray, you know, these filmmakers, you you hear someone narrating the story about, you know, you know, how they got this project and things went wrong. And then this led to this and so on. And, and then the success of their films. And, and it's very dramatic, you know, it's told, not in a bullet point kind of way, but more of a storytelling kind of way. Uh, but it's a, it's a podcast and then they did James Cameron I, f- I think it did someone else, but it's fantastic I if, if you, especially if you're from the 80s. <laughs> uh, you know you grew up in a lot of these films from Cameron Lucas and Spielberg uh, definitely definitely worth checking out.
1: awesome that's fantastic all right go on what uh, what about you Jason what's your thing to bring to the table today.
2: All right. So I've actually been thinking about this for a little while. It's uh, actually also a podcast. It's just a podcast centric uh, week. It's um, uh, do you guys remember that song by Billy Joel? It's we didn't start the fire. Of course,
1: Billy Joel's my fave.
2: (laughs) So there's a podcast where they're going through and recapping what every single line in we didn't start the fire means. So every single, you know, like Harry Truman doris day like they just they're going through and they're bringing Red in johnny way no, yeah <laughs> yeah and they bring in experts to talk through what that meant what that story was that sort of thing when it happens chronologically and it's pretty fascinating um i, I
1: would love remember. this this is a film
2: uh no it's a podcast series Oh, so every series. every episode they do one line from it and uh you're gonna have to give me just one second to actually find the name oh
1: it. man that sounds fantastic but i have a question. When do you guys have time to listen to a podcast? In the car,
2: in the car, walking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, both of you drive and walk a lot. I have, I've just been sitting in my, you know, studio. I don't really do either of those.
0: I don't don't do good with podcasts. Just, yeah, being at home. uh, I like listening and my office is only seven minutes, but I'm still listening for seven minutes you know, to podcasts or whatnot,
2: but Christian who travels all the time has no time to listen to podcasts. (laughs) Do you
1: you want to know truthfully what I'm doing when I'm traveling? I was just thinking about this. I'm sure it will not surprise you to know when I drove to Dubuque and I drove home to Dubuque, I was on the info and phone the entire time talking to people. And so I, you know, I, and I didn't have enough people. I didn't have enough time to talk to all the people I wanted to talk to. I, I think literally think I could talk all day long. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's possible.
2: So what we just learned is that Josh and I are listeners. And (laughs) you. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I think it's true. Uh, So the name of the podcast is we and start the fire, the history podcast.
1: Ah. I am gonna have to check that out. But you know what? That would also be a fun documentary.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. They actually uh spoiler, they actually had Billy Joel on and he talks about writing it and
1: everything. Oh gosh. Oh now <laughs> now you've hooked me. My my favorite uh Sirius XM channel is the Billy Joel channel, and they only do it seasonally, like the Big Mac, right? Or the mm-hmm. McRib, McRib, or the Sierra Mac Shake. And every time they do, if you have not listened to it on Sirius XM, it is phenomenal because you just learned so much about him and he's so entertaining he is the entertainer in my opinion so uh one on my bucket list is seeing him at uh, madison square garden i cannot wait to do that
0: very hey, cool well so, yeah he's not
1: like you know, i know trust anymore. me i know i've tried to tell my husband we i've given him three dates this year and he's like no we can't do any of those I'm like we cannot wait i wanted to see so bad i wanted to see james taylor in concert and sting and i mean Sting, the police and neither one of those ever happened so Mm. that's kind of sad okay so are you ready for mine yeah all right so my document uh, documentary recommendation is the automat
0: Uh, heard of the automat
1: sounds familiar keep going Do you even know what an automat is? No. I had no idea what an automat was either. And I went because Mel Brooks was in it and I heard it was funny. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love Mel Brooks, I'm in. So The Automat, uh, this is a film um, by Lisa Hurwitz and written by Michael Levine or Levine. I don't know how you say his name. Um, Mel Brooks is in it. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is in it. Elliot Gould is in it. Um, Carl Reiner is in it. Colin Powell is in it. Uh, you know, it's just, it's got some heavy hitters there and it is, um, know, it's, it's surprisingly great. And it talks about, uh, sort of in the uh, turn of the century when, uh, people wanted, you know, cheap food fast. These two guys, their names began with H and H and I can't remember their actual names, but their company was called
2: Hardened. Yes. How'd you know? Hardart? I, I, I got it pulled
1: up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Horn and Hardart, Yes. So Horn and Hardart created the Automat. And what was so interesting is that I think it was Horn put an advertisement in the paper for a business partner. They found each other and they created uh, this Automat. And it's basically like a vending machine for food. And so, and everything costs a nickel. And so you'd put the nickel in and you would open this little door and you could get everything. You could get mashed potatoes, green beans. You could get, um, you know, stew and macaroni and cheese and pies and cookies and and coffee. And everybody loved their coffee. And apparently the food was so good uh, that, you know, it was just this bustling place. Lots of like well-to-do people went there. It was a beautiful uh, environment. So people loved eating there, loved hanging out there. And the history of the automat, which of course, you know, we have none now. And so what happened to it? uh, That's what the story is all about. And so those people that I listed that were in the film, they talk about their experiences with the automat and how that played a role in their lives. And it is funny and warm, Heartwarming. So uh the automat. And it's I don't know that it's out yet. Uh it's still in the film festival circuit. So uh I, but I did see there was a Rotten Tomatoes. Does did you click on that by any chance, Jason?
2: Um so speak- I'm pulling up screen possibilities. Um there it's playing right now in New York City um at the new Plaza Cinema on weekends only. It's also on in weekends Phil- only Philadelphia and Pleasantville, New York those are the three places it's screening right now.
1: Okay. Well, so it's interesting. It's 98% on the tomato meter and 80% on the audience score. Um, And that reminds me that when I was at the film festival, somebody pulled up the girl who were freedom on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't even know we were on Rotten Tomatoes, but we've got a 95%, I think audience approval rating. I was super stunned and excited about that. That's awesome. So that was great. Anyway, yeah, check out the automat, totally worth your time. And um, I have another one I can't wait to talk about next week. So
0: <laughs> we're well, ahead of us. So <laughs> Jason's running out of films. <laughs> I
1: did I did learn, like at that film festival, I saw one narrative feature. So there was one that Evan Williams was in who's been on, you know, he's a you know, pretty famous movie star. Um, I forget what things he's in. Jason can pull him up really quick, but he's on um, you know, he's on some pretty big like series and things like that. So he was in this film. And I mean, it's not a bad film, but it's a narrative film. And it was about the, it's called Mysterious Circumstances. And it's about the mysterious disappearance of Meriwether Lewis. Now, I was so excited to learn about this because I didn't know that Meriwether Lewis disappeared mysteriously. Um, But it was a narrative film and, you know, it just wasn't my jam, but I, and I could not get enough of the documentaries. So I think I'm just wired that way. I'm passionate about them. I love them and I prefer them over narrative features. Typically, I still watch stuff like I still watch, you know, narrative stuff like the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I love that. There are things I really love. Um, But if I'm going to pick a film at a film festival, it's going to be a documentary every time.
0: It's probably, and I would imagine at a film festival, it's probably a safer bet than a it is. Film. It is.
1: And the shorts are not bad. You know, I learned the joy of a short at the last film festival I went to. You can go to one block for an hour and you can watch four films. And, you know, if it's bad, you're not out a ton of time. So
0: at a film festival, the shorts are pretty cool. Okay. Um, as we're wrapping up here, Christian, uh, do you want to direct? Um, I, I know you made some or someone's making posts about join us. Uh, I don't know if it's the the screening at the museum that's coming up, or um...
1: yeah, you know, you can go. There is a link, or we keep putting them up on social media where you can buy tickets in New York City if you want to come to the French Institute slash Alliance Française. Uh, to see the girl who wore freedom, to meet me, to meet Danny, the girl, who, the actual girl who wore freedom. Uh, but you know what, you guys, we really um, need people to join us on Patreon. If you have not done that yet, I really would invite you to do that. We're making some great content. You'll get to be part of the ground floor. We would love to have you join us. Now, another interesting conversation I have with one of my board members is uh, he started me thinking about how I could seek investors as a part as opposed to donations for my next film and we can talk about that later but it was an interesting idea the way he proposed it so uh it might be a way to go to raise that three hundred thousand dollars for the Caranton project we'll see
0: uh well that's a that's change in your tune.
1: i know i know but uh mr bob miller sort of laid it out for me in a very interesting way you know he's a big businessman he had a, a an incredible uh, manufacturing company that he ran and and also is a farmer has a couple of farms and just understands the business part of things in a way that I do not uh, it's been really great to have his wisdom and experience sort of advising me so yeah something I'm considering okay awesome
0: Well, another great podcast episode, so uh, thanks Jason, Christian, and thanks to you, the listening audience, for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it.
1: Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you for listening, donating, and following along on our journey. We are supported by generous donations from people just like you. To make a donation, visit thegirlwhowarfreedom.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash documentaryfirst. To learn more about our other works in progress, visit documentaryfirst.com or follow Documentary First on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This podcast was produced by Documentary First, edited and mixed by Jason Hoban, with music by Jeff Curtinacker.